Lord, our God, you have chosen to make yourself known through your creation, your word, your son, and your spirit. Now reveal your glory to us and through us, the church. Speak to us, form us, lead us, dwell in us. Teach us today how to love as Jesus loves, to welcome the stranger, heal the sick, and care for the poor, to bear good news, build bridges, and bring your people home. For Christ in us is the hope of glory. May your perfect will prevail in us this day. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So I am really uh, glad to be with you today presenting part two of our series called We Are Family. Last week, Pastor Albert talked about how close relationship with others is, is something we were created for. Oneness is the nature of God, and, and he has this complete harmony among Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oneness is the nature of God. And so it would follow naturally that his children, his family, would be one as well. But he also talked about how that oneness has been broken by sin. And I think we can all agree that what we see more often is struggle in relationships, in the relationships often that should be the strongest and the most unified is where we often see the most difficulty. As a pastor, I've seen this struggle in my own life, in my own family. I think you all can agree, you hear stories from your coworkers, your extended family, your friends. It can be a struggle. And yet, we believe there is hope. We believe it's possible for people to learn how to treat each other better, for people to show real care and concern, to to help to heal hurts. We believe it's possible for us to learn how to do that. And so the reason that we're doing this as a series is that we believe the key to having a unified sense of family and love is found in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So in this message, we're going to cover one of those basic principles, one of those things that should be basic to us in our families, in our relationships, something that many religious and non-religious people alike will agree is key to healthy relationships. This thing that we're going to talk about today is important for friendships, it's important for the workplace, it's important for church connections, it's important for dating relationships, it's important with family, and it is important in marriage. What is it? Our word of the day today is empathy. Can everyone say that with me? Empathy. So cool. This past Sunday, a week ago, at uh, one of our our groups that we have, our couples group, uh, David and Jen, right over there, led a session that was about empathy. And I was like, you know what? This is awesome. It's confirmation that we're going to talk about this this Sunday. And I think the rest of the church needs to hear this. So thank you, David and Jen, for uh, giving me a lot of inspiration and ideas and for just sharing your hearts. Thank you for that. Um. In the letter to the Philippians, second chapter, Paul writes this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Isaiah 53, the writings of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 53, this is what he says. Surely he, referring in prophecy to Jesus, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, and yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. And in John 13, we see the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet as an act of sacrifice and servanthood. And when he was finished... He says this to his disciples, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. 
I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You know, though Jesus displayed power, and though he spoke with authority, and though he even claimed to be one with God the Father, what we see over and over and over again is the reflection of a God who is not arrogant or distant. What we see is a God who is close, a God who is selfless, and a God who thought that it was important enough that he would not only know us, from a creator's perspective, but even more to know us from our own human perspective. Before I say anything else, I want to make it clear that as we learn about what empathy is, I want to make it clear that the most important picture and definition of empathy comes from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So what is empathy? Um, sorry, I'm going to probably butcher the, the Chinese pronunciation of this name, but uh, a licensed psychologist, professor at Fuller Seminary, pastor in Glendale, California. His name is Xiangyang Tan. And uh, this is how he defines empathy from a clinical perspective. This is what empathy is. Empathy is the ability to, he says, enter deeply into someone's subjective world or internal frame of reference and feel with the person as sensitively and accurately as possible. Okay? Ability to enter deeply into someone else's subjective world or internal frame of reference and feel with that person as accurately and sensitively as possible. All right? So to put it more simply, empathy is the ability to get into someone else's shoes and walk around for a bit. That's what empathy is. Now, right now, some of you are, are saying, that's me. I have that ability. I'm set. And if that's you, then great. But don't tune me out, because I want to talk to you about why this ability is so important to exercise, and why sometimes even those of us who have this natural ability sometimes find it hard to use it with the people that are closest to us, okay? And some of you here today are going to say, yeah, it's not really me, and it probably never will be. I don't do the whole identify with people's feelings thing too well. And... That's okay, everyone has different strengths and gifts, but I want to ask you also, those of you, my friends, who identify with that second category, please don't tune me out either. All right, I want to talk neuroscience for a minute, right? Science of the brain. Uh, according to researchers at the Max Planck Institute, empathy is actually something that can be exercised and learned. Did you know that there is a part of our brain called the right supermarginal gyrus? Can everyone turn to somebody next to you and say, right supermarginal gyrus? Did, did you know we had that part in our brain? I didn't know that either. But now I do, and now you know too, okay? The right supermarginal gyrus, okay? It's kind of what I think of when I think of the gyrus. Elvis or something like that, right? Okay? Let's take a look. Here's a picture. This is, this is your brain. This is your brain. No. Um, See that little yellow part right there? That is the right supermarginal gyrus, right? Now, I think we can all agree that, that people can be naturally self-centered. Nobody has to teach us how to be self-centered, right? Um, I, thank you, Delbert. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you doing that. You got to do what you got to do, right? So, right supernatural gyrus. Um, so being self-centered is something that we naturally do, right? Uh, I think it's, it's kind of just a result of the sin that, that's, that's in all of us that we all have. But, but the thing is, this part of the brain, the right supernatural I keep calling it supernatural, supermarginal. Supernatural is another thing. Right supermarginal gyrus, it kicks in when we have the opportunity to show empathy so, so even when the natural self-centeredness activates, the right supermarginal gyrus will self-correct and cause us to be able to be empathetic. Other studies will even suggest that we have what are called mirror centers in our brain, which allow us to mimic or imitate the actions of others. By the way, this is one of the reasons why 
Um, when, when you see someone else yawning, <laughs> or you have the feeling that you want to do it too, right? That's kind of where that thing comes from, right? So we actually have in our, okay, look, if, if what the Bible says is true and God fashioned us, however he chose to do it, to be the way that we are, he has wired us so that we have the ability to feel empathy, we have the built-in ability to get in someone else's shoes and walk around. Isn't that cool? It's in our brain. And that this can actually be exercised and learned by dwelling on things like thankfulness and the way that we've been loved, that we can actually teach ourselves to be empathetic. Now, you might ask, well, what about people who are psychopaths? Right? A psychopath is a person who doesn't have the ability to feel empathy for anyone, and they seem to have no remorse for causing pain to others. And that's true. Neuroscience will tell us that those who display psychopathic tendencies have a weak, right, supermarginal gyrus. That, that part of the brain doesn't fire like it should or like it does in other people when they see other people going through pain. But true psychopaths only make up about 1% of the population. Okay. Instead, I think the rest of us fall into two categories. There are those of us who show empathy naturally and easily, and there are those of us who just have to work at it a little harder. Okay? So if you are in that second category where it just doesn't come naturally to you, you have to work at it a little harder, I want to talk a little bit about why empathy is important. In other words, I want you to understand why empathy is important enough for you to want to work at it in the first place. Okay? Author Maya Angelou once said, I think we all have empathy. We may not all have the courage to display it. Sometimes the thing that is needed the most is the thing that is the hardest or maybe the scariest to do. Sometimes that's true. The, things that, the thing that we need to do, right? You, you need to run into the burning building to save the, the, the person, right? That's the thing that needs to be done, but that's the hardest and scariest thing to do. That's why not everybody can be a firefighter, right? And it's not comfortable, right? Especially when, when you're doing fine. I mean, why would you want to cause yourself to feel someone else's pain when you're not already feeling pain? Why would you want to cause yourself to feel uncomfortable when you're feeling comfortable? You know, empathy even applies to being empathetic with someone who's rejoicing or celebrating when you don't feel that way, right? What if you're not super happy about anything? What if you're even having a tough time? Showing empathy even means that you have the ability to identify with someone else's joy, even when you yourself are not feeling that joy. That can be empathy, too. It reminds me of my friend, uh, where, where's Aaron? Aaron right here, right? You, you, you were able to congratulate your new friend Sam on his team's victory, even though you yourself were lamenting your hometown Cavs' defeat, right? It's just that's, you cried for two days, right? But in the moment, he was able to say, hey, good game, and then walk out and go to his car and cry, right? I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time, right? Right? Empathy, right? You can identify with what someone else is feeling. So from a purely, just from a purely social perspective, why is empathy important? Why is it important that we learn to show empathy? Yeah, I mean, right? Beatles said it, right? Uh, who was it that sang the song, What the World Needs Now? Love, sweet love. Whatever that lady's name was, right? What was her name? Jackie DeShannon. Jackie thank you very much, right? Okay, this guy knows his music. Old school knowledge right there. It is so important to exercise and show empathy precisely because there is such a lack of empathy in our world today. There is. And when I say in our world, I don't necessarily mean in the whole world. I can speculate on what's happening in other parts of the world, but I don't live there. I live here in America. San Gabriel Valley, even right here in Monterey Park, there is a lack of empathy. Wherever there is racism and bigotry, there is a lack of empathy. Wherever someone is being berated because of differing opinions or beliefs, there is a lack of empathy. Wherever people are being told things like, learn my language or get out of my country, or you people are the problem. There is a lack of empathy. Even wherever I have hate for another who has wronged me, 
when I have not taken the time to find out why they act this way, that is a lack of empathy. And all of these things happen, and some of these things have even increased in recent months. They're happening now. I'm not just making this up. This is real. Why? Why do these scenarios show a lack of empathy? Because these types of attitudes show people who are not willing to put themselves in someone else's place. That they are not willing to walk around in someone else's shoes. If I imagine myself in a country where I was a minority race or speaking a minority language, how would I feel if I were mistreated for not speaking the language or told to get out or even threatened with my life? How would I feel? How would you feel? Can you put yourself in that person's shoes? As a man, if I imagine myself as a woman being treated as less than and actually being paid as less than, how would I feel? Empathy means putting myself in someone else's place and asking the question, how does it feel to be you? How does it feel to be you? And if you think I'm being extreme and it's really not that bad, there are plenty of examples. There are handfuls of videos and personal accounts of people being beaten and cussed at and spat on because of their skin color and the language they speak, especially in the last few months. Just two days ago, Monterey Park PD reported that there was a man stabbed to death in the early morning hours. The reason given? It was a fight over a parking spot. A parking spot. It is not a stretch to say that these things would not happen if empathy were being employed. Slavery would not exist. Human trafficking would not exist. Spousal abuse would not exist. Empathy is key. I know this is not anything new. America and the world is no stranger to a lack of this empathy. Racism, mistreatment, oppression of people, it's been happening for centuries, right? And some of you might say, well, I'm, not, I'm not great at showing empathy, but I'm not a racist. I'm not a bigot. And that may be true. But it seems obvious that what we need right now is more and not less empathy in our world. So for all hearing me right now, everyone who's hearing me right now or sometime down the road and online... Are you willing to make this world a better place for everyone to live by showing more empathy? Because we certainly need it. Now let's look at this from a Christian perspective. For Christians, why, it is, important, why is it important for us to show empathy? And if, if you're here today listening later on and you're not a Christian, I hope that you can get a clearer sense of this is what a Christian is supposed to look like. This is an a, a attribute, a trait that a Christian must have. So Christians... Right? We say we follow Jesus Christ, right? The, the word Christian literally means little Christs, that we belong to Christ, that we look like Jesus Christ. And if you remember, Philippians 2 told us that in our relationships, we are supposed to have the what? The mind, the attitude of Christ, right? And what did the mind of Christ look like? What did Philippians 2 say? That even though he was God... He didn't feel that it was necessary to hold on to his God status. And instead, he became one of us. See, Jesus didn't just get into our shoes and walk around. Jesus, who is in very nature God, didn't just get in our shoes and walk around. Jesus got into our skin and walked around. Jesus saw through our eyes. Jesus was tempted. Jesus loved Jesus felt pain. Jesus died. Jesus did all the things that humans do except sin, but he did allow himself to feel the weight of sin and the penalty of sin when he took our sin on himself on the cross. So here's Jesus, right? God in human flesh showing empathy. If you want to go back to that definition that I gave earlier, right, from the... Uh, from the psychologist, right? Jesus entered into our subjective world in our internal frame of reference and he felt with us as sensitively and accurately as possible. This is what Jesus has done for us. 
why would God do this? Why would he do this? He didn't have to. He's God. He did it because he is the author and the epitome and the definition of love. God is love, and he showed us that love does not just stand at a distance and cast judgment on another, but instead love does everything possible to understand, to be present, to connect, and to do, and, and by doing so, to heal and to restore. This is what Jesus did. And this is the same love that he commanded us to have for each other. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let us work hard to learn empathy and to display it in all we do, in all our relationships. To me, it looks like showing empathy is one of the most Christ-like things that we can do for one another and for all people. For this is what Christ has done for us all. This is what Christ has done for you. As Christians, how could we do anything else is my question. So I want to give you some practical tips on how to build up and display empathy within your life. Now, this is meant to be a help, and I'm sure this is not an exhaustive list. And, and I'm going to give you some tips, and then we're actually going to have a little chance to practice it right here in this space. Okay? We're going to do a little bit of practice. So I actually want to encourage you. Um, I'm going to be showing you the, the tips that I have on the screen. And once I get all the tips up on the screen, if you have a smartphone or a, a phone with a camera, you might want to take it out and just snap a picture. Um, or, or if you have a phone and you have like some kind of note-taking app, you want to take some notes and just write, type these in as I'm going. If you have a writing device, you might want to write it in your uh, bulletin, however you choose to do it, right? Or if you have a photographic memory like my brother Jeff over there, then you can just look at it and remember. But not all of us have that gift. Okay? So, here goes. Some practical tips. Be observant. Some of us are distracted easily. Some of us get so focused on what we are doing that we drown out what's happening around us. Some of us, quite honestly, are just too absorbed with, well, our phones. But if you're looking and you want to care for someone, I'm sure that sooner or later you will find someone who needs you to show them some empathy. So be observant. Keep your eyes up. Number two. Actually and actively, listen. Listen. I know this might seem really basic, like, duh. But remember that sometimes it's those basic things that are sometimes the things we forget first, right? How does one actively listen? Here's some tips. Make sure that you give your full attention, right? I do this with my kids sometimes when I really need them to listen to me, right? I get right down in their face. I say, hey, look at me. Look at me. And sometimes I need to do the fish face, right? Now, if somebody really needs to share their hurts with you, you don't need to fish face them. But, but maybe they need to fish face you, right? Because you really need to be looking at them, right? Posture yourself to show that you care, right? Posture yourself. If somebody is trying to share something with you, does it show that I care if I'm like, have my head down, I'm falling asleep while they're talking to me, right? If I'm like doing something else, I'm like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Posture yourself, right? Give responses now and then. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Oh, so sorry. Responses, right? This can be a word. It can even be a head nod, right? Responses. Now, some of you have gotten really good at doing this on the phone when you're not really listening, right? Or even when you're in person, right? Uh-huh. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm. You have your programmed responses, right? But yeah, try to do it for real, right? Actively listen. Everybody say, mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Here's another important one. If you want to show empathy, uh, this one I actually uh, got this from Dr. Brene Brown. She says, when somebody is sharing their struggles with you and you have an opportunity to show empathy, one thing that you do not want to do is try to add a silver lining to what they're sharing. Dr. Brene Brown said that when someone is expressing her or his feelings of pain to you and you want to show empathy, that's one of the worst things you can do. One of the worst things you can do is 
say anything that starts with the phrase, well, at least. All right? I had a miscarriage. Well, at least you know you can get pregnant. My marriage is falling apart. Well, at least you have a marriage. My kid just got kicked out of school. Well, at least your other kid's a straight-A student. You see how that could not be helpful? It's not helpful. And I, and I know why we do this. I know why we tend to do this, right? Because we want to try to offer something, right? So we just, blah, something. Well, at least something, right? We just kind of, and sometimes we don't even think, right? Just because we want, we, we, I mean, if we're being honest, we're just trying to be nice, but it's not helpful. Okay? So if you want to show empathy, don't try to do the silver lining thing, right? Uh, number four, I'm sorry, I, okay, don't try to add the silver lining. You got that, right? Okay? Oops. Ask clarifying questions, okay? Ask clarifying questions. Sometimes you can show that you are really listening and that you care about what somebody's telling you with certain questions or phrases. For example, how did you feel when that happened? Wow, that must have been really hard for you, was it? Or it doesn't even have to be a question. It can just be simply saying, thank you so much for sharing that with me. And by the way, if you can't imagine yourself saying any of these things, find something appropriate that fits with your personality, okay? So for some of my fellow dudes, especially when you're talking with other dudes, and I've done this myself, right? Sometimes the most natural response that I have when, some, when another brother is telling me something, my most natural response is, bro. <laughs> right? Just bro. 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 Number five, don't automatically try to fix the problem. For many of us, when someone shares a problem, we immediately start thinking about how we can solve the problem, right? Empathy is about listening. It's not about fixing. So listen. And, and along with this, with the not solving the problem thing, is don't feel like you, you need to interrupt, right? Oh, so does that mean, oh, so what you need is, oh, you want to just try to... Some of us are really like, hey, let's cut to the chase, right? Let's get to the point here kind of people, right? Cut the nonsense, right? Right? Sometimes we need to just kind of listen a little bit and, and try to hear what's underneath what they're saying, right? And the last one is, and this is for, for those of us who are believers, for, for those of us who are Christians, is don't be afraid to pray when the time is right. Uh, some people are more comfortable than others with praying out loud, but if you are a Christian, praying for others, privately and in public, praying for others must be a skill that you develop. Now, I want to caution you, don't try to pray as a way to end the conversation, like, oh, I need to go. So, hey, can I pray for you? Right? That's, that's not empathy, right? That's not listening. And I know we don't, all of us don't, we don't have all the time in the world, but if you want to truly show empathy, listen, hear their heart, hear what they're saying, and when you feel that you actually have been able to empathize with them and clarify what are they feeling when the time is right, and if you feel that they would be open, don't be afraid to, to say, can I pray for you? And make it for real, right? Don't just be like, okay, let's end the conversation. I'm going to pray for you, right? Prayer is not a way for us to fix the problem. It's a way for us to fix our eyes on God. When we pray for someone, we are taking our eyes from the problem, and we are turning them toward God. And that doesn't necessarily make the problem go away immediately, but it does allow us to see that God cares, and he's with us in that place. And that's comforting. It's encouraging. Now, I know I just gave you a lot of things, and it seems like there's a lot of things you shouldn't say and try to do and all kind of thing, but I want to encourage you. There are plenty of things that you can do and that you can say. Empathy is simply about being careful to put yourself in someone else's position and then asking, if I were in their situation, what kinds of things would I want to hear? If I were sharing my struggles with somebody, what kinds of things would I want to hear? I want to give us a quick opportunity to practice this. And it's a little bit difficult to do this in a setting, but we're going, to, we're going to do a little experiment right now, okay? So just bear with me. I'm going to show you a very short video of some people sharing their own struggles. In fact, this video comes from Family Promise, which many of you were here when we announced that we're going to be hosting them next Sunday, okay? So this is a video, very brief video, it's just, just under a minute, right, of 
people who have been in the Family Promise program sharing their struggles as families who have been homeless. You can hear their story. Now, I know it might seem a little bit silly, but what I want you to do is, while we're watching the video, I want you to imagine that you are actually sitting face-to-face with these people, and they are speaking directly to you, their story. Okay, I want you to imagine. Just imagine, okay? So I want you to think, if these people were sitting face-to-face with you, consider some of the tips that I gave you. How would you position your body to show that you're interested? How would you do it, right? If, you, if, you, if you're falling asleep right now, you probably want to wake up, right? That's going to be... One, one thing that you don't want to do if somebody's sharing their struggles with you, right? Open your eyes, sit up, maybe lean forward if you need to, do something that helps you wake up. What things would you do to show that you are listening? Would you nod your head? Would you look right at them? What would you listen or watch for so that you could give a meaningful response? So, like I said, pretend that they're actually here, right? And just imagine with me that you're face-to-face, and then when we're done watching, what I want you to do is turn to someone next to you, and I want you to tell that person, share with that person, in groups of two or three, share with that person what might your response be if you were actually sitting face-to-face with these people. What is a response that you might have after hearing this brief story? Would you ask a question? Would you try to identify with what they're feeling? Would you say something simple like, I'm so sorry that you went through that, or even simpler, just, wow. And as you're sharing, right, sharing your your response with each other, don't be afraid to affirm someone if they have a good idea. Yeah, that's really good. I didn't think of that. And also, don't be afraid to tell somebody, that doesn't sound like it would work. (laughs) Okay? This is practice, right? So practice makes, you know... Uh, permanent or perfect or whatever, right? It, 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 we want this to be ingrained in who we are, okay? So let's, let's practice this, for real. Let's actually make the most of this opportunity, okay? So here goes. The hardest thing about being homeless is that uh, you basically have to uh, restructure your time. Things that uh, you see other people do on a normal daily basis, you can't do those things, uh, especially when you don't have a place to do those things in. The meals and the, where you're going to sleep and the clothing part and the bathing part. And there's just so many things that you have to do that you just don't know how they're all going to get done. It's, you just need to know that you're going to get through it. The hardest thing about being homeless is not having a place to lay your head at night. Um, not a, not having a place for your children to um, to just be. Um, a couch to sit, a table to feed them dinner, lunch, or breakfast. That was the hardest part about being homeless. There's somebody next to you, group of two or three, and share what might your response be if you had been sitting face-to-face hearing that portion of the story? All right, so, so I want to hear, hear some of your responses. I want to hear some of the, some of the stuff that you shared. Um, so Veronica, Veronica was a good example of what you should not say. Her, her, her playful response was, I would tell them, well, at least you found family promise. <laughs> Exactly. This is this is what not to do, right? But who, if you wanna if you wanna share what somebody else said that was really good, or you wanna share your own, who who would like to share one of the responses that was that was given? Example, back there. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this over here. Hopefully, it works. All right. So, Kate is gonna share. We were just discussing the personal nature of and the trust that somebody is giving one by sharing something of that gravity and so just saying thank you so much for sharing yeah yeah that's a that's a good response anybody else back here while I'm here did you have one too yeah I'll share so essentially you know just just sympathize with them saying you know I'm sorry you know I don't I couldn't imagine what what that would feel like. But yet, you know, I empathize with your feelings, you know, because she was to the point of tears, that last lady that was there. And so, you know, allow your emotions to show as well, because that means a lot, even if you don't have the words, 
just at least show the facial expression like, oh my gosh, you know, it's like, yeah. I'm so blessed. And, and, and really reflect on that too, because we are, we are all so blessed to have a home and to have the, the, the conveniences that we do where many every day struggle and they're out there on the streets and trying to, to f- figure out and find where they're going to lay their head next. Thank you. One more? Don't make them feel like, uh, like ghosts, like they're special. They're people. They're mm. not, they're not, there's someone. They're not, they're sisters and brothers and they're part of our family. We don't make them strangers. They're part of us. Right. And that's it. Thank you so much for saying that because that's an important distinction between empathy and sympathy, right? Sympathy is feeling sorry for somebody. Sympathy can come across as uh, condescending um, or patronizing, right? And, and it kind of strips somebody sometimes of their dignity, right? Empathy actually, actually gives somebody their dignity. That's, that validates what they're feeling and says, you're, you're right to feel that way, and I can, I, can't, I, cannot, I can imagine that must be hard. And as Kate said, to validate... Now, what they said was important. Thank you for sharing that with me. That what you just said was, was huge, and you let me in on that. Right? I really love hearing, from, and I, I'm sure we could go on and on. I love hearing from all of you because you're giving us more ideas and, and, and tips and, and, and thoughts on how we can do this. And you never know what somebody is going to share, right? Yes, right. Right. So I'm so glad that Veronica uh, you know, mentioned that. So... One of the reasons why I wanted to show you this video was because we actually have an opportunity to not only to serve these families, but to show them empathy. The great thing about Family Promise is and it, a difference between doing Family Promise and, say, going to a, a soup kitchen in, in Skid Row or handing out sandwiches, you know, something like that. It, that's good, but that's more of a let's move people through the line kind of thing. You don't have a whole lot of time to sit and hear people's stories. Family Promise is an opportunity where these families are actually going to be here with us. You get to sit down and eat dinner with them. You get to hear what they're going through and what their struggle is. And and surprisingly, a lot of these families are are open about what they're going through. So I want to open this opportunity because there are still slots available for you to have this opportunity. Don't think of this as, oh, Family Promise is something that we have to do or have to try to do. This is something you get to do. And it's an opportunity for us to learn empathy. So, as we close, I want to share a little bit of my journey with you. When I first came on staff here at Trinity, Pastor Albert had all the staff members take this te- test called the Strengths Finder. If you've never heard of the Strengths Finder, it is exactly as it sounds. It is a test that helps you to find your strengths, to discover what your, what your strengths are as a person. Um, And I discovered that one of my top five strengths is, you guessed it, empathy. Funny thing is that I took this test again just a couple weeks ago, and apparently I haven't changed in seven years (laughs) that I've been on staff. Empathy is still in my top five. Now, you might be thinking, why is Johnny telling us this, right? Am I trying to flaunt my empathy skills, trying to flex my empathy muscles? As if I'm trying to get people to say, oh, look how caring and empathetic Pastor Johnny is. No. I actually want to tell you about how I have failed in this area in the relationship where it matters most. You know, being strong in empathy means that I'm good at listening, good at putting myself in other people's shoes, good at identifying with other people's pain. And it's true that this is something that I try to use to its fullest as a pastor. I really do. I I thank God for this gift. And yet, it wasn't until recently that I realized that I wasn't listening, like really listening with my heart to this woman that God had given me, my wife, Gloria. Gloria was was longing for me to really hear her and the emotional pain that she was experiencing. And she was longing for me to hear how I was sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I was part of causing that pain. And I thought I was listening. But I was not listening. I even had another pastor, a mentor friend of mine named Mike Slater. Some of you know him. He told me two years ago, Johnny, you're not listening to your wife. 
You think you are, but you're not. And it took me another two years to finally understand what he was talking about. See, instead of allowing myself to enter her pain, either to support her in it or to correct the ways that I was causing it, I thought I already knew. And those of you who have been married for long enough will know that I'm, what I'm talking about when I say that thinking you already know instead of listening and empathizing is sometimes one of the most dangerous things that you can do. Now, I know some of, you, some of you have a relationship where you've been married so long that you know what each other's thinking and you can finish each other's sentences and you already know what each other's going to do. And that, that can be a beautiful thing, okay? But there's this other level where it can create conflict. Because at some point, you stop really listening and you just put that person in a box where they just exist in your mind in that box and they can't get out because I don't let them out. And that's what I was doing to my beautiful wife. I was putting her in this box. I was not letting her out. When she would try to open up about how she was feeling, I would immediately go on the defensive. Whether her pain was caused by something I did or not, I would automatically assume that she was blaming me. She was accusing me. I had a rough night with the baby. It was a tough day today. I'm tired. I automatically think she was somehow saying it was my fault. She felt that way. I didn't listen to her. And if she did feel that something was my fault, my empathy should have told me to just... Those two words that are so hard, right? I, sorry. I felt I needed to fight back. And if she was expressing something that wasn't my fault, my empathy should have simply caused me to say, wow, it sounds like you had a rough day, or maybe I should have just shut up, walked over to her, given her a hug. But instead, I felt like I needed to fight. I, my heart breaks thinking about how many opportunities I've had to love and to exercise this supposed strength that I have with the one who's closest to me. And I've missed so many of those opportunities. Now, today, I'm thankful that I know what I know. I spent some time at our men's retreat being really open with some of the guys, with the guys who were there, with the men who were there. And I said, look, I am not being fair to my wife. This is me being real with you. And I stood there in front of all the men and said, look, I have not been fair to my wife when we go through these times of stress and strain. But I want to be. I want to be good to her. And I was telling the men this because I wanted us to start to get real. I wanted us to start to get real with where we're, what, what we really do at home and how we really live and not just re- religious talk about, oh, Jesus wants us to do this and this is what we're supposed to do because the Bible says. No, how do we actually live? What, do, what are we actually doing at home with the people who are closest to us? So I'm learning. I'm growing. I haven't perfected this. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. But something recently finally clicked. And after I got home from that retreat, I got home and I sat down with Gloria. And it was awkward. because She was like, why are you sitting me down? What, <laughs> what is going on? Are you pregnant? No. <laughs> I just had to sit her down and tell her, Gloria, I'm sorry that I haven't really been listening to you. I I thought that I have been, and I'm not. And I'm sorry. And I'll try to do better. Like I said, it was awkward. She's like, do you want me to say sorry for something? Or are you waiting for... I mean, this is how bad it got, right? Because I wasn't... I wasn't listening. So when I finally sat her down and said, Gloria, I'm sorry, and I want to listen to you, she's like... What am I supposed to say? Because we're not used to doing this, right? This is a good picture of what, what I want to be able to say. John Gottman is a really famous psychologist, author. He says, if I had to summarize my 40, 43 years of research into one sentence, it would be, when you're hurting, 
Maybe the world stops and I listen. I'm learning to do this. And you know why this is so important for us, for, 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 for our marriage, me and Gloria, and for our family? Um, right now, as most of you know, our, our church, our church family is, and as a result, my own family, we're about to go through some pretty big changes over the next couple of years. There are a lot of unknowns that we will be dealing with. We are going to need to walk closely with, with each other and with God like never before. We're going to need to do this as a church family. And Gloria and I are going to need to do this in our marriage. You know, the other day when Albert introduced this series, he said, we are family. Um, somebody commented, why are we doing this series? I don't feel like we're a family. We're split. We have that campus over there and this family over here. And, and that, that broke my heart, but at the same time, I thought, that's exactly why we need to do this series. That's exactly why we need to talk about things like this. Because we are a family, and we need to learn to be a family, especially at this time. And I realized the other day, you know, I don't know in all my seven years as a pastor that Gloria and I have ever been as unified in our commitment to whatever God has for us, because we don't know. But I don't know if we've ever been as unified as we are right now. And I don't take that lightly, and I don't take that for granted, and I thank God for this, because we're going to need it. But you know what? I can, I can attribute this, a lot of this, to the fact that we are making time to listen to God, and he is teaching us to listen to each other. He's teaching me to listen to my wife. I'm going to need that. Trinity Church, my family. In this next season, I am calling you to do the same. Don't assume you already know. Don't settle for your own speculations and judgments about other people. Don't pass judgment before you've really taken the time to care and listen. Please don't allow bitter and divisive attitudes to prevail. Instead, make sure that you are listening to the Holy Spirit, whom God has given you as a sign that you are his children, and make sure that you are making time to go straight to the people that you have an issue with and address those things directly. Please don't suppress it. Don't let it fester inside of you. Make sure that you're attentive, letting people speak their mind. Make sure that you encourage those who need encouragement. Make sure you let others encourage you when you're the one in need. My Trinity Church family, empathy is not just something we need in general. I am saying I believe this is going to be a key to us as a church family going through the next couple of years of change and being stronger and more unified on the other end. I want to see this for us, Trinity Church family. I know we can do it. I know it's going to take some work, but I know we can do it. And I will be walking with you and working with you all the way with Jesus as our, as our Lord and our Savior and our shepherd. So in closing, I want to ask the, the band to come on back up. And we're going to be singing a song called He Knows My Name. And as we close, I want, to, I want to ask, let this be a reminder to you that God really does hear you and he really does know you. And if you know this and if you experience this love from God and his presence in your life, then I want to say these simple few words. If you know that he knows your name and you know that he hears you when you call and you know that he loves you, I want to say these simple things to you as we close. Go and do likewise.
to invite you um, immediately following our service today. There's going to be a uh, lunch for those not only who have served and are what plan to serve this coming Family Promise Week, um, but also anybody who is interested. You know, we talked uh, quite a bit about it during our service today. And if you are interested, um, lunch will be provided, and um, we're going to be talking more about what this opportunity looks like and why it's important. So please feel free to join us right outside this uh, door to the courtyard. And the second door on the right is our kindergarten room, and that is where we're going to be um, having our meeting. So please uh, join us for that lunch and that, uh, that time of just sharing this important ministry. Let me close this in prayer. Oh God, our Father, our loving, perfect, generous Heavenly Father, sent Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, to show us what this true empathy looks like, to get into our skin and walk around and feel what we feel, experience what we experience. God, you are closer than we may realize, and I pray that this week we would experience you as close, not as distant. And I pray that as we experience this, that we would be able to go out from this place and share that same love and closeness and empathy and care and community with the people that we encounter in this world. Lord, you know we need it. God, we need it in this world. We need you in this world. We need your love. So I pray that we would each be willing vessels, instruments in your hand to play your love song for the world. And yes, we will be rejected. Yes, we will seem weird because who does that? The answer is Jesus does that. And those of us who belong to you, we are called to go and do the same. So God, teach us how to do this. Teach us to be your people. We pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Amen. God bless you and we'll see you soon.